I put my jammies on all by myself, mommy. <laughs> Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the priest world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold. He's going on this track. The captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in any time. Jam. The word I've got here circled is sap. It's just sappy. And other special guests. Tony M put his foot where? <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We are here again with an album review. And this time we're going into the 1999 release, The Vault, Old Friends for Sale. Here to go through all that good stuff with you. The Peach and Black podcast crew, Captain... I was born this way. Player. A pixie does my laundry. And I don't know where you guys get this stuff from, but Toe Jam. Oh, man, you stole my pixie line. I was going to use that. Oh, oh cut my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and okay, the pixie does our laundry then. <laughs> and me, it's MC. We're all here together again to talk about another album review. This time an album that is probably not very well known outside the quote-unquote hardcore Prince fan community, I guess. Uh, an album that came out late 1999, 24th of August to be precise, just before the end of the millennium, with moderate sales success. I'll change that to minimal. Total sales haven't been haven't been uh, particularly good for this album. Not a lot of promotion going into it, which is funny considering that it was released in 1999, and uh, but anyway, we all know what happened <laughs> on the, off the back of our rave album review. Um, a lot of strange things were happening around this time in the Prince world. But this album came out, and like I said, it didn't it didn't cause a huge splash, but consisted of material that most of us hadn't heard any of. Um, I'll put my hand up and say I hadn't heard any of this by that stage. What about you guys? What they may what, as well they may as well have given this uh, album to Arista to promote. <laughs> it might have been a might have been a good strategy. I don't know. What was the strategy? Who who did? Who, there was no strategy. Did this come out on Warner? This came on. This came yeah, this came out on Warner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, this is one of the another um, contract obligation. Contract yeah. Yep. Okay. This must have been one of the last albums un- under that under the so Warner what, Brothers had, distribution. We had come was the first one. Chaos, Chaos and Disorder. And disorder. Yeah. Now, was Gold, was that a contract? Like, no. No? no. That was no. definitely, uh, he wanted to release that at the time. No, and that was MPG Records uh, as well, I think, yeah, joint release. Nation one. Okay. Yeah, so this was one of these albums with basically, ah, oh, Black Album, that's the other one I'm thinking of. Hmm. Yeah. Um, to fulfill, fulfill his contract. And yeah. I'd heard, I'm not sure on this, that you know the track listing for this was sorted out like all the way back when they had that dispute. So. Oh, wow. I'm not sure how true that is. but Yeah, this was submitted in 96 and Warner's held on to it until 99. So would, is, would we be correct in our assumption that Prince delivered it to, to Warner Brothers in the way that he wanted it released? Yeah, I'd say so. Hmm. No, I think I he, mean, just, he gave him nothing. That's why it's it's like got no artwork, no booklet of, as such, nothing. Like he just put it on the desk with all the other albums and said, that's it, I want out. Mm. Well, well, that's an interesting kind of s- subtext to 
to this release, and, and we're going to get into the song by song, but really, very rarely does, does a Prince al- album come out, when you look at his entire career, with so little fanfare. Yeah, I mean it's an album's worth of material, regardless of of what you know when the when the tracks were written or recorded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's an album worth of new music to the to the public. With you know, I think it's one of those cases that Warner Brothers knew they were going to release it at some point, and they thought, well, when's the best time to release it? Hey, let's release it. You know, in 1999, when there's going to be a lot of hype yeah. about Prince, and oh look, he's putting out a new album himself. Let's put it out a couple of months beforehand. Mm. I think and, that uh, was more the motivation than the year. Yeah. It was like, how can we, how can we get back at him? Oh, we've got an <laughs> album coming out soon. Oh, let's put this one out. You know, just a couple months before that. Talk yeah. about saturating the market. Yeah, which but is what he, a, which is what they always complained about. He was doing. It's a very intriguing release because I, even looking at the title of this album, you've got the vault dot 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 old friends for sale. The vault, I guess, to symbolise the fact that these are vault tracks in. In the strict sense of the of the term, and "Old Friends for Sale," uh, you know, a title of, of one of the songs on there, probably the oldest song recorded. But uh, also meaning there are a bunch of old tracks that are for sale. Well, there you go. That is the history behind this album. There's there's not a lot more to say. That there are some notes in in the um some more details in the liner notes included, although they're fairly sketchy at best. Um, yeah, and it, and I think some of the, even the dates aren't correct. Like yeah, that's dates, right. things were recorded and stuff. Some some of these songs I think were recorded in uh, Platinum Studios, Melbourne, Australia, true, true. which yes. is uh, which is always interesting for uh, the Australian Peach and Black podcast crew. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to say before we go into track by track. Anyone got any other comments? You know, first impressions, memories of of this era of this album coming out, anything at all. Oh, well, just very briefly, um, we talked about Rave last time, talking about that sort of when I was getting into Prince, and I remember getting this album probably mid-2000s around there, and again, not really having the context of when these tracks were recorded. I remember buying it and thinking it was a really strange album because it sounded nothing like Rave, but then I, I kind of knew that it was like an outtake album, but I couldn't really place it in my head where it went in the um, you know Prince discography, but obviously, you know, a couple of years later, once you sort of hear everything, you can hear a lot better where it fits and where the majority of it was recorded and who plays on what, that kind of thing. So, so if everyone's ready, uh, let's go into our song-by-song, track-by-track analysis. And we will start with song... No, not song. Let's call it track number one, because it goes for barely a minute and a half, I would, I would say. The rest of my life. Any takers for this? How about I just <laughs> yell it out? <laughs> okay, I'll st- I'll start with this one. I've got some brief notes about the rest of my life. It's an interesting, and I hate using the word interesting because it can mean anything, but it's an interesting opening to an album. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really consider this a full song. It's more an idea. But on the other hand, when you listen to it in the context of all the other songs, it can also be uh, used as just an intro, really. An intro intro track to set the mood and I think it does that it's very funky um, it's got some funky walking bass in there it's got some nice boogie piano 
or at least as as close as we've ever heard Prince employ the the boogie boogie woogie piano type context, some horn lines, and just before before I continue with any any more detail, the horn lines and the horn arrangements and the horn playing on this album in general is unbelievable to me. Yeah, it's just, just a brilliant, incredible. And the fact that it's such a lesser-known album makes it even more frustrating because you hear stuff when you when you listen to this, particularly on headphones, and even in this song, that is just... I don't know. It's just incredible. The feeling's there. He's got some great players, some great ideas. But anyway, we'll get to that later. The horn lines are tight. That's what I'm saying. And they're punchy. It's a percussive kind of jump and jive and song, almost reminiscent of the Brian Setzer Orchestra in, in some parts, but it's so short, so it's a cool opener, and it's really positive, it gets you in the mood, and onto all the next tracks, so, um, player, what do you think about the rest of my life, the song? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, on pretty much everything that you've said, it's, it's a nice upbeat track to open up the album, um, the piano work by Prince is nice and bright. Is it by Prince? Because that's pretty cool, if it is. I would assume it is. Doesn't well, sound that, like Tommy Barbarella. Well, that's what I'm. I'm thinking. Yeah, I think it's got more of a Prince feel to it than Tommy. Tommy feel. The horns are used to great effect with their accents, embellishments, serious bass work by Sonny T. Overall, it's jazzy, organic. My only complaint is it's too short. Um, I think this would be good live if you took this song and, and each band member takes a solo because there's only like a couple of verses and then it's a few good solos in there. So maybe you could revive this song live. I'll also give it a point because it was recorded at, in Melbourne. So. There you go. Bit of trivia for you. Uh, Captain. I like this song, except for a few things which really annoy me. Oh, such as? That's surprising. First of all, this song, but not really the rest of the album, it's very compressed. There's no dynamic. It's just bang. It's in your face, the whole thing. Mm. There's no variation in the volume of anything. It's just all there. It's like listening to FM radio. It's horrible. <laughs> For many reasons. <laughs> but it's got this great live sound, and the, it's got the funky guitar, and it's got the bass, the bloody... The bass is great. The horns and the drums. And then halfway through the track, the whole thing's ruined by this horrible synth. This awful synth solo. It's an awful sound. <laughs> you can awful, blame Tommy Barbarella for that, probably. <laughs> it's an awful synth sound, and it's an awful solo. It's is that the one that kind of sound, it sounds like some wind bell chime synth oh, kind of it's, thing? Yeah. squealing. Is that the one? It's yeah. just it's dun, 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 dun. I think that's yeah, yeah, there's that's that, and then there's another little uh, one, yeah. and that just ruins the whole song. I mean, you get like halfway through the song, it's fine, and then that just kills it. I mean, it's not that long a song anyway, <laughs> but he still managed to screw it up. I couldn't believe it. In a minute and a half, <laughs> he screwed the rest of your life. <laughs> and of course, it's too short. But no, I like this song. It's just every time I hear that synth, I just cringe. It just sounds bad. Wow, I don't, I don't have the same reaction. I don't, I don't really mind. But the, the, the whole thing is so live sounding. Everything's live. They're yeah, all and then organic. This, and then there's this crappy digital sound, and it's yeah. just horrible. <laughs> Next. What, what can you do? Toe Jam, finish this one off for us. Uh, I think this song really summarizes the album. It's, it's hmm. you know, that live sound. It's really bright. But ultimately, it's just a little bit too short, and you kind of feel a little bit cheapened by the end of it. You think, oh, it's a real good... <laughs> start and then it just sort of dies but really um, it can't it be considered an intro i don't know people well, keep referring to it as a song it's interesting when you said that because i never really thought of it that way 
Hmm. Um, it's a little bit too long to be an intro for my liking and too short to be like a big banging opening track. No um, matter what you call it, a first track is always an introduction to an album. Yeah, yeah, good point. But, um, I think it's, this is one of those ones where you, you put on and you press play and you just hope that you haven't got the volume up too loud because you know how it just bang straight into it. And if you got your volume too loud, you're like, ah, where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> but um, the octave pedal that Sonny T is using sounds really cool. Uh, it's got that real classic 93 MPG sound that, you know, it's definitely recorded in that cymbal era. Which cymbal is great. Era. Yeah. And that, that sort of runs all the way through the album mostly. So, yeah, I really I like everything about the song other than, again, it's just a little bit too short and you kind of feel a bit cheapened by it because of that. But it's, it's the vault. It's a bunch of outtakes. Can't complain too much. Hmm. What we haven't mentioned, I don't think, is this was an outtake from I'll do a musical comedy hmm. called I'll Do Anything with Nick Nolte and someone. And it was, <laughs> I think it didn't even end up being a musical. They just dumped the whole musical side of it because they tested it and everyone said it was crap. And it ended up just being a normal movie, I think. But Prince did most of the songs and like a whole bunch of songs for that and project. This was one that of they just, yeah, this was one of them. And there's like two or three others that are on here as well. Mm. Uh, My the, Little Pill. Um, Don't Talk to Strangers. Know, it, there, was a, yeah, yeah. there was a whole heap of songs. But maybe that's why this song is so short. Maybe it was used in a certain scene or in well, yeah, sense of yeah. a song, and maybe that's why it runs for that length. We'll never know. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I'll just add to the uh, in, in closing remark about about this track is that first, even uh, the bar isn't even up really. But let's just call it in that first bar of that of the rest of my life. I love how it how everything just comes in mm. in the same time. You've got it's the drum, bang. bass. Um, the guitar, the, the horn, the guitar, and his voice. Yeah, just no like intro. boom. This is the you know this is the start of the track, which is which is a really cool effect. And and the drums are slamming on this. They are on the whole album. Track number two. It's about, it's about that walk. <laughs> no, it's about that walk. Captain, take it off our hands. This is a very cool track. It's again, it's another very live in the studio sounding track, but still some annoying things. There's this why bother with this little crowd chatter for the first 22 seconds of the song, and then just cut it, and then bring it in for another few seconds later on. That's just dumb. Either have it for the whole thing, or don't have it. <laughs> Captain, it's not about the crowd noise; it's about the walk. <laughs> that's true. That's it's true. But, yeah, that's baby. I really like the organ in this song. The horns are great. The, this lyric, I always remember this line and ask like a fine cut diamond. diamond. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's I love great. it. That's a lyric. That's a lyric. Uh, that's oh, just God. Good. And I love that build up bit just about two minutes before the horn solo. It's got some cool guitar in it. But the best thing about this track is that there's no horrible synth to ruin it. <laughs> this would be great to hear live. I, I'm waiting for that one. And the end, too. Oh, you remember that end? <laughs> Funny. And then the. <laughs> and friggin' Bert and Ernie laughing in the background. Right? Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, yeah. Toe Jam. What do you like about the walk? Oh, I like a lot about the walk. Again, it really has the sound of the album, this song, along with the first one. So they kind of fit seamlessly, the two songs together, I, I find. Really great arrangement. It's you know it's not the most complex of songs, but just the the arrangement, all the horn arrangements, you know the way the band play off each other, really great stuff. Massive tenor sax solo, real classic cheesy mm. tenor sax scream. I love that. <laughs> I like the crowd noise. It kind of reminds me of other other songs like Money. Sort of sets up the scene. You know, you can see them in this club kind of thing, looking at this girl. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it's it's kind of the same sentiment as like um, the song Peach, you know, the appreciation of the female from a distance. Um, <laughs> Sorry, back to that crowd noise. It's so obvious when it cuts out and cuts back in, though. It's so distracting to me. Either just have it the whole track and then you wouldn't really notice oh, it. It doesn't distract me. I, I barely notice it. <laughs> I, think oh. it I think it sets the tone really well. I think it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I can hear it, but I just think it's like it's like he's on the street singing it almost, you know. Yeah. Like, but then it just cuts out just when he goes into the verse, and I'm like, well, where did all the people go? They just ran away when he started to sing. <laughs> I don't understand. It's not a live recording. <laughs> Why make it pr- appear to be so then? I think if you left that noise all the way through it, that would be distracting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think oh. it's just there to like create the moon, create the atmosphere, some Pari- outside some Parisian nightclub or whatever. And then instantly make it disappear for no particular reason. Yeah, they walk back in. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, continue. continue. Tell Jam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, and again, the ending like, that you mentioned, you know, the Vegas on a sea. Remember that ending? That kind of stuff. Like, I love that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff when you kind of hear the, the studio chatter. And hearing that kind of stuff, you know, it's pretty rare in the Prince Canon before this release. I guess you had Crystal Ball. There was some of it in that. But, you know, just hearing him in the studio sort of running the band, it's a really cool little moment. And yeah, so I think this is one of the better tracks on the album. Uh, great song. Great little song. I'd have to agree. And I think this is one of the better songs on the album as well. Again, the horns. Oh, I can't believe I missed it. Okay, Jojo, back song. to you. The big, the big triplet bit in the horns. I like the song right there. That's exactly what I was going to open with. That's why I got in there first. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is just uber cool. It's just so awesome. Horns are tight. The part is written so it's it's written well but it's it's just again it's a, it's that timing thing that I always talk about it's just placed at the right right point in the song and it um it really kind of winds it up and then winds it down again and it's it's really cool effect um but yeah the, the horns and the horn arrangements stand out in this song more so than anything else to me they're brilliant they're amazing I just I listen to this track and 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 the one before it with a with a huge grin on my face it's just Pimpin' Cool, this song. The lyrics are pretty suggestive and funny as well. <laughs> uh, what is it? A jail I could do some, some time in? And I'm not going to finish the sentence, but... <laughs> it's hilarious. The whole thing just swings. It's a swinging song. And again, in the Prince discography, in his canon of work, not only is this are the songs on this album unique in that they have very obvious jazz influences... Um, but they, a lot of these tracks swing and the melodies lay back that those descending chords and horn stabs in the bridge make, make a really cool impact. The roads as well. I think, I think it's a roads. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, whatever, whatever the key part is, it really supplement, supplements all the, um, all the sounds really nicely and, and gives it like a very full band sound. And it's a great mm. band performance player. Uh, there's nothing really much I can add to it, but this song reminds me of Do It All Night from Dirty Mind for some reason. I don't know. It's like a like an organic version of that. <laughs> and the only other thing I've really got is, um, besides the cool swing feel uh, to it, is that um, the drum pattern that, that Michael B plays is, is, is an interesting pattern. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. It's it's great song. So that's it's about that walk. Now we go into track number three, entitled She Spoke to Me. She spoke to me. I'll leave my review last for this one. Maybe let's have ToeJam start this one off. What do you think of She Spoke to Me? Uh, this is the highlight of the album right here. Oh, I uh, thought you'd say that. <laughs> this, this is a breathtaking song. It's it's the classic dream song that I always talk about. 
you got the muted horns, you know, adding to that dreamy feel. Uh, it's got a really interesting groove. Like, it's just, who's, who has a groove where the bass and guitar are just going, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's just really unique in that sense. Um, who does that? Of, who does that? <laughs> who does that? We'll get to that. <laughs> you got some really interesting vocal harmonies all the way through. I've got here friends look at it. I can't think in my head how it goes right now, but that's the harmony bit I'm talking about. You got some great guitar solos, just solos all around from all the bands. Uh, I think it's Levi probably playing a solo or two in there. There's a really nice, I'm guessing it's a Tommy Barbarella solo in there towards the end. A Sonny T bass solo at that. Uh, oh, it's a short yeah. one, but he starts with this harmonic. Just oh, yeah. 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 yeah that's the, great oh. stuff. Great stuff. And I love the bit where Prince sings, um, if she hurts me, I take it all with open arms, you see. And then you've got this da 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 kind of like, uh-oh, he's going a bit too far now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that classic really fast swing section, which I think is not on the um, Girl 6 release. Is that right? Yeah, probably Correct. not, yeah, because this is the Correct. extended version the extended on the album. Version. Yeah, yeah. yeah just the the one on that just fades out with that dun-dun-dun. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. So, yeah, that's a real kicking section. So it's really an MPG showcase, that section. I can imagine Prince is sort of sitting back, maybe giving some direction in terms of who's going to solo next, that kind of thing. But it's really a showcase of the players that he had at that time, which is amazing. So, yeah, this is probably one of my, well, it's up there as one of my favorite songs of the 90s, I guess. And it's definitely the highlight of the album for me. Great song. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Player. Well, when this album came out, I usually skipped this track because instantly I thought, I've heard this on Girl 6. So, you know, I just thought pretty much it was the same version, so I always skipped it. But a few years later, I really got into this track because, you know, it's the full-length version. It runs over eight minutes and it stretches itself out and takes its time. It's almost like a musical journey in two halves. Like on the Girl 6 version, it's like the straight track and then it fades out just when it starts to go into those solo bits. So I always see this song as like a two-half track. So the first half's the song and the second half's like the jam, like the Madhouse-style jam. Mm. And the second half has lots of freeform jazz interludes in that extended part, some cool George Benson-style guitar licks. Um, It's a really solid track and really reminds me of Madhouse, that, that second section. All right, all right. Captain, you feeling this? I am. I want, I want to know when this was recorded. Because mm. it sounds to me like there are two distinct separate guitar solos, which makes me think one could be Levi, but Levi was gone in 93. It sounds so it like makes Levi me think, something. when was this recorded? It does sound like Levi. It, doesn't, it, it really doesn't sound like Prince. That's... Mm. I think it sounds very much to me like the sexy MF solo, like the same sort of sound. Sounds like that little blue mm. guitar. Yeah. Anyway, this is another great track. I love the guitar, the bass and guitar line. Who does that? It sounds very similar to a song that I wrote a few years ago, but we'll <laughs> leave that for another day. I think we will. Um, it's, not as, it's not as live sounding. The first part of the song is not as live sounding as the first two tracks were. But apart from that, it's got that same, you know, that same sound all the way through. But I love guitar solo, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. One of my favorite tracks is Get Some Solo from the Cream Remix EP, and this is more of the same. It's it's great stuff. And then, oh, what is it, like 350, off we go. Some great bass lines going through there and all the cool horn riffs. And then we've got that friggin' awful synth back again. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe he could ruin a track this good and stick that synth in there, and I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Why did you have to do it? It was going so well. Prince, come on. But thankfully, it doesn't last too long. Then it goes into the really cool guitar solos, and then the 
that bass solo that starts off with that harmonic is just so good. Every song needs a bass solo. Prince, listen, bass solo, every song. I don't care who's playing it, you, Ida, Sunny T, anyone, every song, bass solo. And <laughs> except, ex- except for when doves cry. <laughs> that could have a bass solo, but not an actual bass line through the whole rest of the song. There you go. <laughs> just have a bass solo at the Captain end just to show spoken. you what you were missing. Um, but then it finished with a horn solo, and yeah, great song. So much better with, with the full version from the Girl 6 soundtrack. Spike Lee movie. I don't want to create a love fest here, but this, I, I have to say, it's a great song. I agree with you guys, really by default here. An outstanding track, one of the cornerstone songs on this album. But I have to open my review of this track by saying, Montreux 2009, <laughs> how did I? It. How did I guess that? <laughs> you're good, you. You, you're good. <laughs> Montreux 2009, release it. Release the show. Release one concert, release both concerts, release, and I don't mind, release an edited compilation version, but just make sure when you do, you include one of the two stunning versions of She Spoke To Me, the performances of She Spoke To Me on that DVD, Blu-ray, whatever it ends up being. Please do that. Because there, <laughs> anything we'll take anything at this point. But um, fourth generation. I, I, I mentioned I mentioned Montreux because I think that the Montreux versions, the live versions, are the quintessential versions of this track. In that, or they'll make Captain happy because there there are no artificial sounding synth synth lines. It's mainly piano work. Um, it'll make everyone else happy because they leave everything that's good in the songs there, but then they also add things like Prince and Renato dueling and going back and forth on the piano and keyboards. They've got drum solos from John Blackwell. I mean, all kinds of stuff. The only thing is that they're missing the horns in the live version, but it's their performance of it, the mantra performance is so good that you don't even really notice too much. Anyway, going back to this, to the um, to the album track, the original extended version, it's got a, re- a really simple time, obviously, but but it gives it a nice feel. We're laid back again. The horns are amazing. Th- this probably occurs in, on every song on this album, and it's a theme. You, you want to listen to horns in Prince's music? Just put this on. Stick the vault on and and listen to it. Very kind of Euro-sounding audience <laughs> background noises, which have been mentioned, and I, I think it, they're cool. That, along with the muted horns, give it a really urban feel. The guitar solo you guys have talked about, I I just think that kind of tone works really well within the context of the song. It's like a very, really like a clean uh, tone. Uh, what else can you say? The, uh, the lyrics, the lyrics are cool. Actually, they're they're kind of about a um, whoever the character is. They they're obviously smitten with this girl or or woman or or whoever the the um the alternate character is. And the the tempo change at four minutes. I'll just finish on this. Is is really unexpected. It was unexpected when I first heard the original version. It's like you're in some groovy wet dream, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Well, not, not in your groovy wet dream, but I always remember that line. Out there. That's one of the, that's another lyric I always remember from this album. I, don't usually, I can't usually remember what song it's from, but I always remember it's like some groovy wet dream, baby. It's just classic. So that's really cool, and it's and then it's followed by some really nice bass work again. Rhonda Smith, big up to you, big ups to you, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Is it Ronda or Sonny? Well, no, sorry, I'm I'm going back to... I was just about to say, big ups to Ronda. Big ups to Ronda. And her performance in in Switzerland at the Montreux Jazz Fest because she really brought her character into this track and and she was doing a lot of 
a lot of nice work on the upright bass. Um, however, uh, the studio version, obviously Sonny playing uh, what, what, I, what I would guess is a standard bass, but walking really nicely up and down the scale. And, and um, the, the, the song's got a, a really cool momentum to it. Uh, this is a, a very solid song. Never get sick of, of listening to it and all eight minutes of it as well. But I have to say, it's a shame that that, pro- that mo- more people probably aren't aware of, of, of this song and, and most of the songs on this album. I'll just throw that in there. But check out the funky, nifty, weird little bass succession of notes. This little bass line that he comes up with at two minutes and 58 seconds. Very odd, very funny, and just completely out of left field for me. Just an interesting little effect there. Two minutes, 58. That's about all. You got that, but then you've got also, this was, you know, a throwaway album for him. It's like, yeah, here's a bunch of tracks I don't give a crap about. Yeah, but throwaway. Listen to the production on this stuff. I know, it, it is, but that's it what is I'm saying. Polished. This songs is just stuff he just, he recorded and then just gave it to Warners like it's nothing. Yeah. And we've said this before, this would kill, you know, anyone else's album. I think this song's Especially a bit different, though, because this one had already been released in some form, this song. Yeah. Mm. So I think for this release, it was like, well, here's a, here's a bonus version of the song you might have already heard before. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, but I, I personally never, ha- never had heard... I, I had never heard the song before this album because I, I d- didn't have the Girl 6 soundtrack. I hadn't heard any of that material. So for me, this, this blew my mind when I first heard it. And one question about the track. Girl 6 soundtrack. It's got Don't Talk to Strangers on that, doesn't it? Yes. But that's different to the version... It's Chaka Khan. Chaka, 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 yeah. Chaka Khan did it, and yeah, it's <laughs> But yeah, it's weird. It's not on this album. Yeah, but I think that I think it derived from the same recording sessions, so you could put that song on this album, and, and it would fit. Mm. Yeah, sound wise, sound wise, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, she spoke to me, and going into track number four, we've got five women. That it took five women. Who wants to take this? How about Captain? Start up with this. Oh, okay. This was originally written for Joe Cocker, and it sounds like it. Now, hold on. Hold on a second. <laughs> was it written for Joe Cocker, or was yes. it written and then it given to him? It was written specifically written for to him. give to him, and he didn't want it. <laughs> that sounds strange, though. I mean, why, why write a song particularly oh. for him as opposed to anyone else? Well, he wrote, oh, he wrote a song for Kenny Rogers. He's, he just writes songs. He thinks of people and goes, oh, they'll like this song. I'll write the, I'll, that's for them. Yeah, he wrote for Joe, Robert Palmer as well. Mm, and he, he turned yeah. down whatever song he offered, yeah. So you said Joe Cocker didn't want it, but then he's since recorded and released it. Oh, he has now. But he didn't no, at the time. Years later. Yeah. The story oh. I heard the story I heard was Prince gave him the song and Joe Cocker said, I want you to play guitar on it and Prince said, No, this is your baby. Once you take it on, it's yours. <laughs> oh. But then he records it and puts it out anyway. So. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. This is where the album starts its downward slide. Oh, no. Um, just like a few other albums we've talked about before, there's a hole in the middle of this album. No. Oh, there's, a hole, oh. there's a hole in the middle of your review, more like it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, of course, maybe. Of course, you've got to start off with a few good tracks to start off, and then you want to end with some good tracks as well, so that just leaves you with the middle, which is the filler. Even though technically this whole album is a fill- contract filler anyway. But this is the filler of the filler. Oh, and that doesn't really bad. And that doesn't sound good. It's the filler of the filler. But yeah, this song Five for me women, is, no less. 
this song to me is just bland. Nothing happens. It just goes on and on. It doesn't go anywhere. It's like over five minutes and nothing happens. I mean, if it was, you know, three minutes, I, I could accept it a bit better. But, yeah, there's, there's nothing for me on this track. It's just boring. <laughs> okay. That's all I've got to say. This, does, this is the hole. This is, this is the edge of the hole. I just fell into it. <laughs> and heard this song on the way down. Okay, player, what are your thoughts on Five Women? Five Women is smooth blues. It's it's not too much different from the Joe Cocker version, but it's great. It has that great countryfied guitar in it, and it's not too often you hear Prince in this kind of blues mode, even though he has done blues songs like The Ride and stuff. It's not quite like this, and it's cool to have this on this album, even though it's derivative of many other blues-style songs. The lyrics are fantastic and in the blues vein, and... Underneath it all is the strings, which I never picked up on until I was listening to this album. Like, I've, I've heard this song a lot of times, but I've never heard the strings, and it's, it's definitely there, and it's an awesome addition to the song. And it's something you might not catch if you don't look out for it. So grab some headphones and, and check it out, because it is underlying in the song. Cool, cool. Uh, Toe Jam? I'm going to side with Captain here. Uh, it's not yeah. a bad song. It's not a bad song, but I... It's a very sexy song. <laughs> If you can stay that, awake that long. Is the but, that's what the, but that's what for, the blues for, for, for five women, I'll stay awake that long. <laughs> well, see, I, I think the problem with this song is that it's one woman too many. It, <laughs> it, it goes on, I agree, it, does, it just goes on a little bit too long and it, it doesn't really, it's sort of the same all the way through yeah. and it doesn't really, I don't feel there's any peak in the song, it just kind of goes and goes. And it just fades out. There's probably a, a verse or two too many in, in, yeah. in it, I, I will agree there. I find that, yeah, I kind of get about three or four minutes into it, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I get the idea, let's move on kind of thing. Yeah, three minutes but, um, would have been good just to fade out. Yeah, that would have been better. But I think the most interesting thing in this is the chord progression, because it's basically a, a pretty straightforward minor blues. But then instead of going to the five, here's my music nerd coming out again. <laughs> um, instead, so he goes, he goes one minor, four minor, one minor. Then instead of going to the five, he goes to six major seven flat five, which is kind of out there. And then he works a few chords around to resolve it again back to G minor. But so mm-hmm. it's a very interesting chord progression that, that you'll hear it, you know, when you're expecting it to go to the sort of classic five, seven chord, it goes to a sort of slightly higher one than you're expecting. And it's kind of makes you raise your eyebrow. Oh, what's going on there? So it's, that's good. I like that. There's a nice muted trumpet solo in there, very milesy. But I, I just find the lyrics are a bit too predictable. You kind of get the idea by the second woman and you sort of know how the song's going to go. And They're all just the same, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you could have done the same thing with three women hmm. and, uh, and you would have got the idea. So It'd been just yeah. as exciting. Uh, most definitely. Yeah, so I'll leave it there. Five women, one woman too, one woman too many. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's, uh, it's not an outstanding song. It's, uh, it's a good blues number. That's all it is. It's solid enough. With the vocal, I think the vocal is the star here. But by oh. by far, the vocal is the star. In that, somehow, when I listen to this track, I get the impression that he's really just going through the motions, not really interested in in the subject matter, and and kind of just just ringing it in a bit flat. But when you, on second listen, when I really pay attention to the cadence of his voice and the delivery the way in which he delivers the lines, which I agree aren't great. I mean, the, the lyricism is okay. There are a few pithy lines here and there. But yeah, the, the vocal's really the star, and right after that is the muted trumpet again for me, so the, the horns are all over my reviews, but you just can't get away from them. 
just something touching on and closing on something the player said about the, the strings, which are actually synth strings in this instance. They are brilliant. And the yeah. way that they work their way in and out of the track, along with the horn arrangements and some jazz guitar flourishes here and there, are brilliant. I don't think Claire Fisher was involved here, um, especially because of the fact that they're synth-based string arrangements. But the, these arrangements are really top-notch. They take the song from like a really standard minor key blues into something slightly different. Is it great? No. Is it listenable? Definitely yes. And I'd prefer to listen to this version than the Joe Cocker version. So he does this one with class, but yeah, if it wasn't on the album, I wouldn't miss it. From with five... that, I'll just say I think that for me is the most skippable track. Ooh. <laughs> oh no, there's a couple of others. Yeah, it's coming up. Come on. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there are a few others. Okay, and with that, from five women, we go to track number five, When the Lights Go Down, in Montreux. No, When the Lights Go Down. Go back to the water to sleep outside the door. When the lights go down, yeah. Who wants to take this? How about um, Player? Why don't you start this one up? Okay, I have to admit, when I first heard this song, I think I listened to it once, maybe twice, and I shelved the whole album, like the whole vault album. (laughs) Fast forward to 2003 and the second Sydney soundcheck, Prince pulls this one out, and I wasn't there for that, but my friend, Con, who went to the soundcheck, um, he was there, and I, I texted him and I said, you know, what was done at soundcheck, and what I got back was he played When the Lights Go Down. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> because I <laughs> totally forgot this song. And he, he replies back, it was on the vault. So I pulled it out and, wow, I mean, like I really slept on this track. It's very smooth. It's like late night lounge listening. The first two and a half minutes or so is just the instrumental jazzy guitar, stunning piano work. But I've got to say, it's nice to hear some bongo action on a Prince track. Eh? Yeah, bongos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now I've got a question about the bongos. Is it Sheila E or is it Kirk Johnson? I reckon. I it's think Kirk. it's Kirk. Yeah, it's probably Kirk. Yeah, um, just from the personnel that he had during this time. Yeah. But I've seen some people post that it must be Sheila E because she's credited in, in the in the liner notes. I think that's got more to do with old friends for sale because yeah. that was about eighty five yeah. when she was in the camp. Yeah, but, that's what I think too. Yeah. Anyway, just putting it I, out there. Yeah, I admit I slept on this track initially, but if you were like me, I'd say go back and rediscover this hidden gem. It's really nice, really nice song. All right. You know, I like my jazzy tunes, and this is a good one. Probably this is my second favorite song on the album, behind uh, She Spoke to Me. Oh, you should have been in in Montreux. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine. Really just an A minor groove, that they're just, you know, little intricate solos throughout on the piano, just little bits and pieces here and there. It's not like a full extended solo, just these little bits, which I think is really cool. It seems to really capture the mood of the late night kind of feel. I think that's the hi-hats that are just kind of there, present and then you got the kick drum on two and four instead of one and three which gives it a really interesting feel uh and it just simmers it just slowly simmers and then it starts to boil it really boils when the snare comes in at five minutes 25 that's when it really starts kicking in i like the vocal melody the way it's it's kind of like a little call and response with himself he'll sort of sing a high line and then he'll answer it with a low line and he kind of builds tension by doing that he goes high line you know high line low line high line low, and then he, occasionally he'll change the order and that kind of builds the tension a bit more yeah, just a really nice... Inst- I, I kind of see it as an instrumental track, even though there are lyrics to it. I kind of view it as an instrumental track, and I think it's a really unique song in the in the Prince canon again, just because it has a very interesting and unique sound. 
And I would love to hear this song live. I reckon it would be awesome. I can imagine him playing this in some jazz club. I think it would just be, it would tear the roof down, not for its volume, just for its like sort of quiet intensity. Uh, so I'll leave it there. Yeah, it's a great song. Captain? Out of every song on this album, I have the least to say about this one. But like a couple of things. It sounds like an outtake from The Truth. Don't know why. Maybe it's the bongos. Um, we wait till <laughs> we wait till two and a half minutes in before he the first vocal. Yeah, I've fallen asleep by then, man. That's that's too long. Um, no, it's like, too dark for you at that time. Yeah, it's like it's, condition of the heart. It's the it's the two minute yeah. intro. Mm. Yeah, if the song is interesting enough, that's fine. But this isn't. This is just another boring mid album filler in the hole. Nothing oh, happens. Wow, doesn't filler. go anywhere. I did hear what Toe Jam said when the snare comes in, but you know, it's five and a half minutes into the song. That's too late. I'm asleep by then. <laughs> <laughs> if well, it is, it is called When the Lights Go Down, so you're not totally out of sync. If with I'm them. putting this song on because it's business time, five and a half minutes through, I'm, I'm done, I'm asleep. That's it. Captain's all about the quick bang, isn't he? So. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Bang for your buck. Yeah. So yeah, there. This could be the most skippable. There's a tie, maybe five women in this. No way. No way. <laughs> yeah. Let me finish out this review because I get the impression you don't have any, any much nope. more to say on this. Nope. When the lights go down. Wow, another standout track and one of the best tracks on this album. And again, oh Montro 2000. <laughs> Montro <laughs> Jazz Festival 2009. I didn't know you were such a comedian. That's where it's at. Again, I have to introduce this song by saying, release that show and release this footage. Because MC's never said that before on the Peach and Black podcast. No, just just to be different. <laughs> but but no, seriously. I mean, the performance there... First of all, let's just say that, that not only is this a, an excellent song on a much maligned and fairly rare Prince album or you know obviously it's less known but the performance of this particular song is so rare as well that the the mantra performance makes it all the more special but what a what a performance it is some great blistering guitar work some great key work from from Renata Netto again I'm still talking about the mantra version here and I think again it's the quintessential version of this song um, and they need to see the light of day and it would just it, it would be a testament to the quality of this music and everything else that was played that night so again i think that 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 would be a great um great thing to do but this track on this album when the lights go down starts with like you guys have said some congas some percussion work and and it's it's a nice intro it's two it's a two and a half minute intro and i guess on an album like this you can do that you can get away with it and i don't know you can't mind it he didn't, he didn't get away with it at all. Well, he got it. He got away with it for me because I think the whole idea behind the song is in the a build sense. Up. It's about the build up. Yeah, pretty much. It is about the build up. And the two and a half minute intro, although very, I mean, some pop songs don't even, you know, they go for two and a half or three minutes, and here you've got a two and a half minute intro. So I see what you're saying, but it's interesting enough for me to continue listening, and then I'll get into some of the some some more detail about what I think about the track. But I have to say, the intro of this song reminds me almost to the... I mean, it's almost identical to the intro of the Dire Straits track, if anyone's familiar with it, Your Latest Trick, off their 1985 Brothers in Arms album, and the live version on their 1993 Live on the Night 
album. Listen to those songs, your latest trick, and tell me it's not, like, virtually identical. But anyway, moving on past the two-and-a-half-minute intro, he proves with this track how versatile a singer he is. Play this song for someone, whether you play this song or even just a vocal from this song, if that were possible, to someone who doesn't know who the artist is, and particularly who the singer on the track is, they will struggle, unless they're a Prince fan, obviously, to tell that that's Prince singing singing on this track. I think it is one of his best vocal performances on this album, if not the best vocal performance on this album. It's brilliant. He just really vibes off of the mood... His, his vocal stylings, um, again, the cadence to his delivery is great. It's really smooth, seductive, mysterious. It's that kind of late-night listening type, pretty sensual song, really. And, and the lyrics point towards a kind of love interest and what happens behind the scenes when the lights go down, etc., etc. It sounds like, it sounds like a female, in parts, it sounds like a woman is singing this. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys picked pick that up but at some points i think wow he's really channeling some some j- female jazz divas on this track and it's really a testament his his vocals i think like lenny kravitz said this once in an article i read prince's vocals are limitless and and this is just one example um it doesn't really go anywhere that's the only negative comment i have about this track and, and it's it's a big haha it's a big argument that, that that generally gets made it doesn't seem to go anywhere and i, oh, agree see, I disagree that. there see to me it's all about that snare drum coming in and the whole five minutes before that is you're waiting for that snare drum and the moment the snare drum comes in it's like yeah that's where it is so to yeah, me that's well, where the song goes I, i've got the snare drum note as well and i do think that the, the song grooves to a large degree when that simple snare beat does come in and then fades on out and it's actually similar to a song on on um on the on our one song show, Boondigger actually has a kind of similar thematic or at least musical element towards the end where they sort of kinda, of, you know, groove on out. This song does does a similar thing towards the end, but I just don't think it It's not enough. Well I'm a big i I'm a big fan of this song and a very big fan of the live live version, like I said. And it's it, it I just think it could be taken into into another direction. But every time I think that I think, well, that's really not the the point of the song. The point yep. of the song is to build a groove and just to stick with it. And he has enough material where he goes in, in all sorts of directions. So I think, really, he builds a groove, he sticks to it, sets the, sets the mood, and just rides on out. And I like this track for that. So that's my review, which leads us into track number six. My Little Pill. Every time I pop my little pill. Okay. Guys, this is a throwaway. I've taken it off my iPod. The Vault Old Friends for Sale only has nine tracks on MC's iPod. I've got nothing to say about this, but it's just a it's just a studio experiment. Someone take this off my hands. That's my whole review. Uh, okay, me. Captain. This was another uh, track from the I'll Do Anything movie. So it's obviously, you say it's a throwaway. It's obviously a song written like for a particular scene. In a musical movie. That makes no sense in the context of this album. No, it doesn't. Mm. But this is a contract filler album, and he just gave him a bunch of tracks. Yep. But the movie never eventuated as a musical, so we'll never see the scene. We won't know if it ever would fit in any context, because this is the only one we've got. Yep. But that melody gets stuck in my head that's on the, the bass and the piano. <laughs> that sticks in my head all day. 
And it's like a minute something song, and it sticks. That just that sticks in my head. It does sound a little different when you guys do it, but yeah, I get the drift. I keep waiting uh, for like uh, to hear a little girl's voice going, "They're here." <laughs> That's what they should put into it. Make it more interesting. I put my jammies on all by myself, mommy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's the intro to the show. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's not much else to say about it. It, it is it's an interesting experiment. We never saw the scene it was meant to be in, so it's hard to judge it that way. But it's a memorable melody, which I think this album is lacking. But that's one of them, even though this is... It's not the best song on the album, I'll say oh, that. Oh, it isn't? You're, you're, you're saying that My Little Pill is that? not the best song on the album? I'll say, it, I'll say it's definitely not the best song on the album, but it's probably got one of the I'm most so memorable melodies, which to me is just, that's bizarre. Would you rate it higher than My uh, Five Women? Or When the Lights Go Down? Um, yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's your morning after moment, right? <laughs> this song is the third in the trilogy in the whole, but it's... <laughs> It's, it's, it's coming out slowly. We're crawling, I have no we're idea what you just meant. We're crawling slowly out of the hole with this track. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're crawling slowly to the conclusion of this unfortunate show at the moment. We apologize, <laughs> listeners. It's not going too well. We're crawling out of the hole with this track, and now, uh, Toja. Toja. Um, it's an oddity. It's it's a sound collage. Oddity? I think... Yeah, that's an understatement, isn't it? <laughs> I think there's some nice right as it's fading out right at the end there's some there's some very nice little kind of jazzy sort of piano yeah. work going on just right at the end. Think, oh, but you'd only recognize if you were still listening. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think if you thing- can if you can stick with that other song for friggin' 8 minutes but you can't listen to this for one there's something wrong with you. Well, I'll I'll give my reasoning for it. And the thing that really kills it for me other than the fact that it is just an experiment sound collage, is just the lyrics. He just repeats the same, like, he sort of has this interesting pixie lyric, and you think, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then he just repeats over and over, all my troubles fall off my windowsill, and all my trouble is like, oh, come on, can't you say something different there? But that's where, it, yeah, that's where it really kills it for me, like it's really just a throwaway. So, yeah, this is the most skippable by far. Oh, but it's so memorable, that line. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Okay. The most memorable melody on the album is not my little pill. Oh, it if there is. was ever if there was ever a case for a, a secret track, this is it, I think. Because this in the middle of the album, <laughs> yeah. this kills the flow of the album. So. Oh, that was already done with the last two tracks, but anyway. it doesn't kill the flow on my iPod version. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Darn sure, I meant to say. Ah, <laughs> oh, so track number seven. There is lonely. There is lonely. There is no the three chord special, Captain. What do you think about "There Is Lonely" the track? Uh, we're we're just just about out of the hole with this track. The middle, the mid album disaster. We're just we're just getting back out of it. My little pill helped us out. This is this this will get us back out. It's not a great. I don't think it's a great song, but it's still better than the last three. It's got a decent vocal performance, but again, it's it's too slow for me, and it doesn't go anywhere. For me, this track and the last three before it, there, those four tracks are just the hole in the middle of this album, and we're out of it after this track. Yeah, not a lot to say about it. All right, I'll uh, jump in quickly. It's got that that 
three-chord opening, changes up slightly, introduces another one within a few few seconds. Right at the beginning of the track, uh, minor key, dark, eerie feel about loneliness. It's a cool song. And cool in the sense that it's just really true to true to the title, true to the atmosphere it creates, and it's short. It's so short, but it conveys what it's about. I love the delay on the on the drum on the cymbals of the drums. I love that. That's really really nice. And the um what what can only be described as the Middle Ages inspired guitar solo uh, yeah. <laughs> on there. It's as if some Lutheran brother is playing that (laughs) out in the fields or something it's i don't know where that came from but um it packs an emotional punch in two and a half minutes it certainly does and and this really it it fits on the on on the album in a funny way in that it it's the same sort of sound but it's a much darker theme you know he's going from going from talking about the way women will walk to the, the number of women, to what happens when the lights go down. All of a sudden, there is lonely. Um, takes a pill and he's lonely. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of track that I think... I'm surprised this was included, actually. I think it's a highly, highly, highly personal track that was allowed to see the light of day. But it's pretty dark stuff, really. So, yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. Player. I have love for this track. It's very powerful. This has a blues feel in the lyrics with its dark despair nature and being at the lowest of low points. The only thing I don't like about the song is it kind of gets lost and repetitive towards the end, but that's a very minor point. But it's a very underrated track. I mean, it has castanets on it. Come on. It's got to get love. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I like his um, vocal delivery as well. So All it's missing is a Harlequin intro. <laughs> <laughs> and then it would be complete. Uh, Toe Jam, round this one out. Uh, this one should have stayed in the vault. Um, oh, no. Yes, thank no. you. No. I really don't like this song at You're all. You're kidding. Just, it just seems, I don't know, I think it seems, it seems fake to me. I was just about to say when MC said, oh, it's highly personal, I'm like, or is it just meant to appear to be? <laughs> yeah, and I just find it's it's very simple. The lyrics are almost too to the point that it's kind of mundane. You know, by after a minute, you're into the solo section already, and then after that, he just repeats the same lyrics again, and it's just, I don't know. I, I, I This song's just lame to me. I, this is the most skippable of the full-length tracks, uh, even though it's only a couple of minutes itself. But uh, yeah, this would be pretty low in my all-time low Prince tracks, I think. I just There's just not much there that really grabs me at all. Yeah, um, that's all I'm done with there. To me, to me, the best part in this song is like there's a funky little organ bit in the last like two seconds of the song. It's like do 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 do, and I'm like, oh, thank God it's over. (laughs) Now we can get onto something better. It is a very short. I mean, two and a half minutes, virtually, really. And that takes us into track number eight, the third last track on this release, "Old Friends for Sale." I said, I guess I don't know how. Jam, why do you introduce us to this song? Okay, so we go from a really lame track to a really good track. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that love to talk about how good the outtake version is, the original version, but similar to Rave, the song Rave from the last review we did, I'd never heard the outtake. And so when I first heard this one, I thought it was, and I still think it is an amazing track. Uh, this one, in contrast to There Is Lonely, seems genuine to me. Yes. Uh, the strings, the clarinets, the horns throughout really give it a really 
lots of flavor, lots of flavor. Very emotional, and it's a great title. What a great title for a song, Old Friends for Sale. That that says it right there. It's like, his friends for sale. He doesn't Either he doesn't care for them anymore, or they don't care for him, one or the other. It's just a really thought-provoking title. I presume it's Sheila E on drums, and it reminds me very much in terms of the recording sense of Alexa de Paris. I wouldn't be surprised if they were recorded sort of around the same time. The only thing with this version is um, what he's actually singing about the lyrics. They're kind of a bit vague, and you're not really mm. sure exactly what he's saying, but the sentiment's there, the feeling is there in the music that I think that's powerful enough to overcome that. Um, but yeah, the lyrics are a bit vague in this, in this version. Yeah, this is probably my third favorite song on the album um, behind... She Spoke to Me and When the Lights Go Down. It's a very uh, interesting and, again, a unique song in the Prince canon. I'll, uh, I will jump in again uh, just because I want to kind of go straight on the back of what Tojem just mentioned about the lyrics and about the, the music making up for it. I think the lyrics are, are vague and in parts they're okay, but in parts they're so vague and they're so just nonsensical to me that it, that it ruins the song and it, it could have been so much so much better in, in the way it was presented from the point of view of, of the of the lyrics and, and, and the wording that was used. The, the line that gets me the most in this track, and when I say gets me, it means that I don't understand at all what he means by it, is something about seeing a stranger who takes his picture and then asks him if he wants to buy it. I guess I don't know how. He seems a little bit over-emotional at that point, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Just in terms of what the lyric is saying. Isn't he talking about paparazzi, though? But his answer doesn't make any sense. His answer doesn't make any sense. I've I've spent years thinking about what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, every time I listen to that, I'm like, what is that? Again, back off what Jam just said now. It's his most, probably most his most emotive singing in the track. And what are you talking about? But I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my picture. I don't know how. It's like buying a picture of what? What are you talking about? Is it, is it a an autograph shot? Is it a paparazzi shot? Buy my picture. <laughs> I've never been able to. Maybe Prince can come on the show and tell us what that meant. Or maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's better to keep it in the vault. Who knows? But look, the song overall is great. It's one amazing Claire Fisher arrangement from the strings point of view. Although to be to be fair to Prince, the the synth strings on um, Five Women are in my mind as exquisite as the string arrangements here. Other than the fact that these are, are obviously real strings. But getting back to Old Friends for Sale, the sweeping strings here give the track life. Just imagine listening to this song with no strings in it at all. I can do that. Very different. <laughs> yeah, very different. Very different track. Vocal is so commanding and impassioned, and other other than the line that I mentioned right at the beginning of my review, it, it's you know the, the vocals and the, and the lyrics are fairly good. The drums are really organic sounding, raw sounding, probably Sheila, I agree. But the horns... Come on! That laced effect with, with the upfront horn parts coming in and the background horns and the, um, again, some muted horn arrangements there. They're just haunting. Creates this really nice ebb and flow to the song. You know, the lyrics are obviously bleak and particularly sad, I think, even though they don't make a whole lot of sense. You can imagine snowing outside, and I know he references the word snow in the song, but you can imagine this this song you know, being recorded in some huge warehouse, you know, during the winter. And you just get this really distant, colder feeling after hearing this track. But those are my thoughts. Uh, Captain, what do you think? We're out of the hole. And we, we jumped so far out, we, we, hit, the, the, we hit the sun. <laughs> this is a great song. I mean, even before it was released on this album, it was regarded as one of his best 
unreleased tracks, and it's still, it's like you said before, so many people haven't heard this album, they probably still haven't heard this song, which is sad, as sad as this song. <laughs> but this is, like Turgem said, compared to the track before it, which seems to me a fake sentiment, this is a lot, this is real to me anyway. Uh, it's got a great music, it's got a great vocal performance, it's got great lyrics, even though I think the original, I think there's like two or three previous versions of this track and they had more personal lyrics, but they were revised, rewritten to be less personal. And I think that's why they're more vague now. They don't make as much sense as they could have if he didn't change them. But he did, so too bad. And this is a classic Prince song, which... It's a shame a lot of people haven't heard it or heard this album. Um, this is up there, first or second best track on this album. It's wow. a tie. It's a tie for me, this and another one. Awesome. Player, have you heard this song? You've heard the album? You've heard the song? I've heard the song uh, when I do hear the song because for me it's a skippable track for me. Oh, yeah, what? Skippable. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Wow, oh, I, yeah. I didn't think anyone saw that coming. It's probably the most controversial player moment in, the, in our history. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Old Friends for Sale, most skippable track skippable by Mr. Player. Track. I wouldn't say most skippable, but it is a skippable Ooh, track. Wow. I mean, the only redeemable feature for me would have to be the Claire Fisher strings. Um, and that's one of the things that stands out how upfront and, and center it is in the mix because a lot of the other string arrangements on his, on his songs are like, in the, in the background, floating away Very. in the background. So yeah, so it's nice to hear him up, up up front, and his emotional vocal delivery would also get a point for me. But apart from that, I've got to give it a pass. It's nothing. Oh, in wow! It. Wow! A pass? Yeah. You're kidding me? Uh-huh. Well, look, the way I see it is this: it was recorded. In, 85 is a very personal track. He's wearing his heart in his sleeve. He's putting himself out there. And then he re-records it as like a watered-down, less personal track in 91, which is the version you, you hear here. And then it's included on a so-called throwaway contract filler album. So you've got to wonder how Prince himself cares for this song. That's the way I see it. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. he's taken like a, a, you know, the strong original and then re-recorded it and made it, you know, less and then thrown it on this. So... That's that's the way I see it, and I've, you know I I know I'm saying something controversial here because in our greatest print songs of all time, this is in the top 100, and it beat Endorphin Machine. So you know there's oh. people that like this song, but I don't think it's as good as Endorphin Machine. Sorry, <laughs> stay quiet on that one. <laughs> wow, I'd I find it pretty hard to compare this to Endorphin Machine, but in the survey, this was the highest rated track for this album. I'll, can I add one more thing about the song that I forgot to add? Uh, right at the end, in, in, um, I think it's a really good example of using patience and, and space, as they say. Uh, when he comes in with the sort of closing lyrics, you know, but you better watch out, they'll kiss watch you. Watch out, yeah. yeah. Really good use of space and timing there. And then the chords just sort of hang as they slowly mm. fade out. Really good use of, of chords there and, and just suspense, just holding it there. You're just dying. It does make me, what Player said, it does make me think what Prince thinks of this song. Because it was recorded in 85, he didn't release it. Rumour has it he thought it was too personal to release. And then he, yeah, he did the watered-down version and released it later on. But it, yeah, it just makes me think, does he think it's a good song? Or he just didn't think it was, you know, that personal a song should be released. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know no? what you mean. <laughs> But I think Prince has always said that he, you know, if you want to get to know him, he's, you know, listen to listen his to work, the music. listen to the songs. So, 
you know, if it's if it is a very very personal track, why tamper with that? He should he should just release it out there and just leave it and let people, mm. you know, take it for what it is. Well, the, the, so, like, another point is he doesn't want people to really get to know him, so he wouldn't put the original true yeah, version out there. Yeah, but then like it, it kind of comes across as fake. Then like you mm. have an emotion, and then you're sort of hiding that emotion or watering it down. So yeah. you know, then you got to think, well, what is the emotion? Mm. I just can never get past that line about <laughs> a stranger asked me if I'd buy him a picture. I said I don't know why. I just don't get it, it and it. <laughs> It spoils my enjoyment for the song, because up until that point, I was with him. So, um, yeah, there's not much more to say, I guess. But we go from eight to nine, and track nine is Sarah. Sarah, oh, Sarah, honey, is that you? Oh, Oh, Sarah, honey, is that you? Captain, go right ahead. This song, along with Old Friends for Sale, is tied for best song on this album. This song... It's just, it's too funky. I mean, it's it's funk light, but it, it's got that groove uh, and it works. Uh, it's got the, the funkiest guitar line just all through the song, all the others. The, the rhythm of the lyrics is just perfect. It's got the cool horns, like half the songs on this album. But who is Sarah? I don't know. Does anyone know who she is? Yeah, who's the inspiration? Is it just a song? Is this just a song? <laughs> Not in your <laughs> or is, testimony. Or is there something... Is there a person behind it? Who knows? We'll never know. But again, we get through about 90% of the song. And guess what? The horrible synth's back again for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, a solo, nonetheless. But it, it doesn't ruin this song. It sort of fits, but oh, I just hate whatever synth he used on this album. He needs to chuck it. But this is, yeah, this is for me, this is one of two tied best songs on the album. Sarah. All right, Wait. all right. Player, Sarah. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about this track. It's a fun track. It's another short but sweet jazzy rocker song. No real highlights apart from the band solos, but it's a it's a good song. Okay, <laughs> Toe Jam. Yeah, it's it's a funky track. It's popping. It's danceable. I like the way you've got the classic chicken scratch guitar, but then so I'm on one side of the headphones, and on the other side he's, he's sort of doing it with the clav. That sounds pretty cool. The mix between yeah. the two. Yeah. And the bass sounds really cool. It's got this sort of bubble effect on it. it sounds real cool. Uh, I like that synth line. I don't know if it's the same one Captain's talking about. That. That's a cool little synth line there. No, I'm talking about the solo. There's a solo at the end. Towards like, the end, I, yeah. I like that solo. Yeah. That's a good solo. If it was um, just a, an organ or a, an organic sounding thing and not the horrible synth, it just ruins the whole feel it's of that, the song. It's that one preset you hate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's all over this album. <laughs> Yeah, so it's got that synth line that kind of reminds me of like a musicology kind of hook. I like the way at the end of the song, again, sort of similar to It's About That Walker. He's like, good, one more take. So sort of including the studio chatter. Mm. I like that. Something unique again, which I guess goes with the theme of the album and that it's, you know, it's a collection of outtakes and it's kind of representation of, look, these are songs that are in Prince's vault that you've never heard before kind of thing. But yeah, it's not, it's not completely amazing. It's a good little dance number. Okay. This is where the funk heats up a little. Just a little though. It is it is yeah. funk light, I guess. Funk um, light. A- along with she spoke to me. This is this is where the the, the funky fire uh, gets a little warm on this album, and it and it just gets a little warm. It never gets too hot, but the guitar is very tight. Uh, I'm going to take a stab here, completely out of the blue, and I'm going to say this is Prince on the drums. Oh. And the reason I say that is because when I was listening to this album recently, every time I get to this track. Right when it finishes, I find myself automatically pressing, you know, like 
track back or rewind or whatever and get going back and want to listen to it again. Now, it is a uh, pretty short song, so that might be part of it, but it just gets stuck in my head mm-hmm. um, based on a few elements that I'm about to mention, but mainly because it's just so catchy. It's just a really catchy, funky song, and it's one of the best songs on here. Only Yay! Be- only because I, I, I just can't get over listening to it. I just keep wanting to hear it. And anyway, getting back to Prince hammering away at the drums, I just think it's him. I, I've I've heard this numerous times, like I said, and it just sounds it's that it's that loose but tight form mm. of playing that he really brings to the table, and you can hear it all over. I, this is not. There's no way this is Michael B. Unless he had a, a few beers before the recording. Or <laughs> and and there's no. There's absolutely no chance that this is Sheila, to my ears. So let's just for a second assume that it could only be Prince out of those three names. It's him on the drums and quite a good drum performance, I have to say. It just feels like his pocket. That's for sure. And and it is a pocket groove. It creates this freaky kind of vibe with this track, whoever it's about. But uh, did someone mention bass? Because where's yeah. the bass in this song? There's bass there. It's got some bubble effect on it. Well, yeah, no, no. Other, other, other than that bubble effect, which I, I wasn't sure whether that was bass or whether that was like synth bass. Yeah, I'll have to have a listen again. Because I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I just assumed, maybe incorrectly, who knows, but I just thought that was like a synth bass, like a pad. And I was thinking, wow, there's no, there's no actual bass, like proper traditional acoustic or electric bass in this track. Can't hear it. So that's interesting. I wonder if there is or there isn't. The horns, horns, baby, horns, yeah. all over this album, all over this song, they are tight as a mosquito's behind. Funkier than a mosquito's tweeter, all that stuff. Horns all over the place. Brilliant. Just lovely. Since towards the end, they all jumbled together nicely. They scrambled it all up. And seriously, if this song doesn't contain one of the best lead-ups to a Prince scream ever, I don't know what does. Endorphin machine. It's, uh, yeah. All right. All right. You got me. You caught me out there. But seriously, come on. Right after the two-minute mark, he just... <laughs> Crack myself up laughing. He does this these these vocal shrieks, yelps, whatever you want to call them. Like he's just kind of mucking around right until he leads up to that scream. I could play that fifteen or twenty second bit back a hundred times and never get sick of it. And then right at the end, in the last two or three seconds of this fairly short song, everyone's probably already heard this, but I love how they kept the studio chat in where he says, "Good, one more take." Yeah, brilliant. You can almost imagine the band going, "Oh, geez, one oh, more." Oh man, what, I thought we killed it because <laughs> it's a ba- it's a it's a rap, but it's a band performance. And he's like, "Yeah, one more take. I just want to maybe we can bring something some another flavor to it." He's saying so. Anyway, great song, very solid song. Sarah, oh Sarah, baby, is that you? I'll add one thing to that. It makes me think: Is that studio chatter real? Because you think to the start of Chaos and Disorder, there's a couple of things mm. on there as well. And these both these albums are, you know, specifically for private use only. And mm. it just makes me think he just added that on there to prove that. It's possible. These yeah. weren't meant it is, to it's definitely possible. I get the, impr- I mean, I get the any, impression any, that... Any track that you record, you're not going to just talk crap over it because that might have been the one. Why would you say that? Well, well no, it might have been it might have been out. edited from some time in the in the session and then sort of tacked on the end there. Like, yeah. The it's, the way I see it, I was going to f- leave this for the final thought, but 
the way I see this whole album, like when you take a normal Prince album, he records all the, usually all the album himself, doing all the instruments, doing all the multi-layered vocals. This album doesn't have any of that. Mm. It all sounds like a band performance. And what it sounds like is recorded maybe over three or four days with the band just to get an album's worth of material together and lace it up and send it to Warner Brothers. That's what I think. Yeah, Yeah. because it doesn't have, like none of these tracks have the multi-layered vocals at all. And and it's, you know, Vegas in the Sea and all this sort of stuff. Like it's all live. Mm. I think he's just trying to like get a, 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 like I can just imagine Prince coming out of a meeting with Warner Brothers, you know, we're not releasing you from your contract unless you give us you know, three albums, he goes off and records them really quickly with the band and says, there you go. A week later, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I get from it. And she's that's spoke, why she's... a lot of these sound live. And yeah, mm. The only track that isn't, though, is She Spoke To Me. is a bit of backing vocals and on that. Extraordinary. And extraordinary. Because that, yeah... When I hear that, I'm like, oh, until now, the first two tracks sounded live in the studio, but now there's all these backing vocals. I'm like, oh, you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined that feel of it being live in the studio. Because, you know, it's not possible for him to sing three different vocals at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, that closes out Sarah. And we lead into the last song on this album. Is it Extraordinary? Well, we're about to find out, but it, <laughs> the title is definitely Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Loves this song. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'll take this over Damn You any day. I've said that before. (laughs) I think this song is more musically, more varied and more dramatic than Damn You. And that's why I like it. I'm a big fan of this song. Although, again, I disagree that this was um, the song chosen to be sent to radio to promote the Vault Project. Wrong choice. But I've spoken about this previously about (laughs) first song ballads as promos or songs. But yeah, solid track. I love it. All right, Captain. This is the obligatory falsetto ballad for this album. There had to be one. And Prince must think this song is, you know, good enough. He played it a fair few times on the One Night Alone tour. Um, but, yeah, it's to me it's just an okay track. There's nothing great about it. I mean, even for a, you know, a falsetto ballad, there's not any real standout vocals on there. It's just a pretty standard... Oh, the harmonies. It's all about the harmonies. Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, it's pretty standard to me. By the, it's got yeah. It, I I know you're saying it's a bit more dramatic. It's got a few elements in there that damn you doesn't have. But yeah, there's there's just not that much there for me. <laughs> I'm not a big ballad fan anyway, except you know the outstanding ones. And this one's just pretty average to me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Toe Jam. I'm not a huge fan of this song. Um, I would take Damn You over this any day. To me, it's, <laughs> to me, it's a little bit too Broadway for me. Uh, and I think some of the lyrics are just a little bit clumsy, the way he delivers them. And the one I'm thinking of in particular is when he goes, each and every thing you... It's just, uh, it yeah. just seems a bit clumsy to me, that line. It's also a little bit too short, and it doesn't really, for me, doesn't really take me anywhere. I do like the lyric, you make my uh, clock tick twice. Ah, oh, you stole it. What is it? Make my clock tick 12, 12 twice. twice. You stole it. Yeah. That's Damn a really you. interesting lyric Big there. You can read that lyric in a lot of ways. So I like that. But yeah, overall, I do kind of feel it is a little bit generic. The song really didn't do anything for me until the live versions he played on One Night Alone. They were pretty good. And it, again, in the live setting, it, it's really just a vocal sort of show off in a good way. And this is the vocal show off too, but it's kind of a bit, yeah, I've heard it a bit before, as good as it is. Yeah. So 
I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's it's a nice way to close the album, I think. So yeah, that's just my the, thoughts. Extraordinary. That's just the obligatory falsetto ballad. It's not as extra as it's made out to be. Wow. <laughs> I disagree. It's more ordinary than extra. I yeah. disagree with Captain and Toe Jam. And again, by default, I seem to be agreeing with Player on this track. I think this song is extraordinary in yep. in most ways. I absolutely love this track. Um, the only thing that I see in what Captain and Toe Jam have said is that every time I hear it, and you know, from the first time to the most recent time, I do admit that that. It's the chord structure is familiar. There's nothing out of the blue that I can pick up, and also it does sound familiar. It does sound kind of Gershwin-esque, Broadway, vaudeville. It does. It does. But I don't know why. Every time it comes on, I love this song. I love listening to it. This song more than any other, uh, and maybe it's got something to do with the time and the rhythm and. The, the simplicity of it. I enjoy listening to this song more than any other song on this album. I just, I absolutely Ooh. love it. I adore it. I love how he sings over the p- piano melody right at the beginning. Basically, the piano is mirroring yeah. uh, what he sings and vice versa. It's really, really nice. But, you know, he basically, the piano plays the notes, the, the, the notes that he's singing. I think the lyrics are sentimental. They're, you know, you, the, the line that Toe Jam stole from my review, which was, you make my clock t- tick 12 twice, is my favorite line, but there are <laughs> others. And, and it's, it's, br- it's brilliant, I think. It's a brilliant line just to throw in there. And his delivery, his falsetto vocal f- hits, his, hits its peak from, from the point of view of pitch, you know, right on that 12 twice. Brilliant. Brilliant cadence again. Brilliant delivery. And it's a, it's a fairly extravagant vocal. Seriously, go back and listen to this to, to, to these two and a half minutes again. He's really it's a showcase more than a show off. I think the falsetto at the end is awesome, but the harmonies and I think player mentioned something about harmonies. Yeah. The harmonies are amazing. They are, yeah. The harmonies with himself, that's right. Harmonizing with himself are just silky smooth, classy, but they're they're sensational. They make the song it. It's just ear candy, and on headphones, I feel like I'm in. It's just in a world of bliss. It, his his voice just envelops the listener. I um, do like the last note that he holds. The extra uh, that one, the very very last one, and he kind of falls off it. I might be thinking uh, of the live yeah, version, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really nice last note, and then he just sort of falls off it. And the other thing I notice, and again, it's only two and a half minutes song, but in the two and a half minutes, I notice a slight echo on the vocals and on the drum tracks. Mm. And they they are marked at particular parts of of the song, um, especially on the li- right at the end of the line. You make my clock t- tick twelve twice. The twice is echoed. Really, 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 really well done there. Um, yeah. Big hand clap off to um to the production and the arrangement on this song. The synths give it some depth, and the the Im- the impression of a string section, and obviously it's a synth section swooping around in the background is is really cool. Prince is a great composer. And I'm going to say it, and I'm, I'm ending this review. This song should be a modern jazz standard. Yeah. I'm saying it. This song, <laughs> it really, it has all the qualities and all the hallmarks of a modern jazz vocal standard. And it should be sung by someone, and I'm going to mention a name, obviously not a modern singer, but someone with the type of quality of voice of, let's say, a Sarah Vaughan or an Ella Fitzgerald. 
Ooh, yeah. Etc. Et I'm just, I'm just, you're just reminding me song. on rave. Right. There were like two songs you said should be a standard. On rave, yeah, yeah, I did, I did. I'm struggling yeah. to remember which ones yeah. they were. <laughs> it was every day is a winding road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't remember now, but yeah, I, I did, I did mention that. So yeah, th- this should be a jazz standard. It really should be. It's a great composition, and it's deceptively simple, and it sounds deceptively like countless other songs, but his vocal just comes in, and again, he he is a male prince, a male vocalist, and I know other people use the falsetto very, very well as well, there are other artists that utilize it effectively, his vocal's amazing on this, so I'll finish out my extraordinary review by saying this song is extraordinary, and this album is much, much, much more than the sum of its parts, funnily enough to me, I think. Um, Is it extraordinary? I don't know, but it's much, much more than an ordinary album or an ordinary collection of, up to that point, unreleased tracks. Uh, Let's get into some summaries, unless anyone's got anything else to say. Final thoughts on The Vault Old Friends for Sale. Captain. I've already thought thought about my score, and it's going to be 6.5. Hmm. Which is lower than I thought it would be, but when I was listening to it, and you got that all those you know bum tracks in the middle of the album, just brought it down. Or it could have been probably seven and a half, maybe eight, because oh, just some of that jazz stuff is so good. But then yeah, there's there's those ones that bring it down. So it's a six and a half. I'm not going to say it's an underrated album. I'm going to say it's an overlooked album because it's not that easy to find. Um, it's probably been out of print for a while, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But it's probably on iTunes. I, n- I don't use iTunes, but it's probably on there, I guess. I uh, don't think so. Not the last time uh? I checked, no. Oh. oh, well, you can go on eBay and pay 70 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's overlooked. And right. there's some good tracks on there which should be heard. Go and find it. Okay. Player, final thoughts. When I think of the vault, I think of where Prince stores his wide array of songs. But this collection, even though it is from the vault, it's very consistent and cohesive and it works as a whole. It's definitely a sleeper album. It has some hidden gems on there and it has some obscure throwaway tracks. Um, It has no singles, no videos, minimal artwork or credits, no booklet. So it's no surprise it didn't do much. But on the other hand, 2010, the album, when you think about it, was the same. You know, no singles, <laughs> no videos, minimal artwork. So, But that fared much better, maybe because it was been away in the newspaper. But um, this is, like I said before, a really different album for Prince in the sense that you don't have all those um, studio trickery and the multi-layered vocals. And it's virtually non-existent on this release. So I guess... Uh, I get the impression that it was recorded live in one or two takes, and that gave him the ability to put the album together very quickly. Overall, it's 10 tracks, and out of 10, I'd like about 8, so technically this would be an 8 out of 10 track, uh, but of 10 album. <laughs> but I'm going to knock it down because collectively it's not that memorable of a release, and it's a shame because it does have its highlights. But it's very far, uh, far and few between, so I'd say a seven or even a six and a half. All right, all right. So far, pretty consistent scores. Kojam, final thoughts on the vault. Uh, I think the best thing about the album is that it's it is consistent in the sound. Uh, yes, like like player said, mm. it, it's a really bright album. Like there's live drums, the snares are tight, the horns are really bright. There's no distorted guitar solos or sort of crazy distorted synth solos or anything. It's all very clean. 
and I like that about the album. And it definitely sort of has that theme running through it of this is a collection of songs that you ha- will ne- you would normally never hear. So it kind of has this sort of mysterious vibe to it. But I think overall, as much as the musicianship throughout the album from the MPG and Prince is some really stellar moments, I think the songs on the whole just aren't that amazing songs. They're, they're good arrangements. Uh, there's some good ideas. But I think probably perhaps other than She Spoke to Me and possibly when the lights go down but even that one you know it's it's i don't want to say generic but they're just not songs that really capture me as great songs does that make sense like so I, Jim, appreciate... I, just thought of, I just thought of one good thing to ask you if this if if these 10 tracks weren't given to warners as a contractual obligation do you think we would have heard any of these songs would he have picked one or two and put them out uh... later or not well, you'd have to say no, I guess. Because you're, you're, say... you're saying you think they're just below the level, you know. Yeah, I think, and I think there's a reason why they were never released in the first place. And it's not that they're bad songs. I just think that they're not, to the, normal, they're not to the normal print standard of songwriting. There's great mm. arrangements. There's great mm. performances. But this is just as a whole because there are some really good moments throughout. Uh. And particular, I'm, I'm talking in particular about Five Women, My Little Pill, There Is Lonely. They, those three tracks... Just kind of an extraordinary as well. They wow. just kind of seem <laughs> they're, they're jazz standard. Well, I don't want to say they're average, but they're average <clears throat> for prints. They're average for prints in yeah. my opinion. So, and I also think the artwork's pretty cruddy. So, oh. I'm going to give it a six overall. I just didn't say about extraordinary. I think it's a downer to end on to end on a ballad like that. I mean, I wouldn't end on Sarah either, but that's to, that song to end on just doesn't work for me either. Extraordinary. So, yeah. No, no one six. It's a six six and a half, it's a seven, or maybe a six and a half, and it's a six. That's what we're working with at the moment. I'll, I'll, uh, and and here comes MC with his (laughs) (laughs) 3.5. Wait, can I just say something really quick? The question was, do you think these would just stay in the vault, right? Hmm. Yeah. My understanding of the vault when Prince records is like he. It, like his musical creations are kind of like a post-it note. It's just like a, a thing where he like jots down ideas and chucks it in there. And then like later on he pulls them out and then really works on them. I think a lot of these songs are like the post-it notes, like being sent out as they are as post-it notes instead of being pulled out and worked on. And I think some of these songs, if he developed them more on his own, like taking these ideas, it, it, they could be... Yeah, and taking them further. Yeah maybe even a bit longer in their length and, and sometimes in their, you know, instrumentation and ideas. You might get, like, maybe even, like, a stronger album from it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the rest of my life, perfect example. Like, I can imagine that with another verse and then maybe a, a, some kind of B section yeah. and then some big climax. That'd be a killer track. But it's just kind of this, it's a, it's a sketch, really. There's That's a lot right. of sketch songs on the album. Yeah. Which is interesting, which is good from a collector's point of view to hear that kind of stuff. But as an album, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not that great. I wonder what Warner's thought when he handed him that tape and said, there you go. Well, they had no choice, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they can't judge the quality of it. They, he just says, that's the album. They can't say, oh, that's not good enough. Or could they? Who knows? Well, come back to me, and I have to say, along with my thoughts on Rave, I feel like it's important to say that 19... 19- 99, the year, wasn't a particularly great year for releases. And in fact, the late 90s weren't a great year for releases in a sense because it seemed as if the focus 
was a little bit off. You didn't party. Of, you didn't party like it was nineteen ninety. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I that's for sure. That yeah, I mean, it was it was fun times, but um, but this album came out and. I heard it late. I don't even think I heard it in 1999. I would have heard it later. Um, I like Toe Jam was was at the at the beginning stage of my fandom, but it's a it's a difficult album to think about from the point of view of reviewing it. Now, does it work as a collection of songs? I have to say, I've taken away my little pill. So for me, the Vault Old Friends for Sale is a nine track album, and that's how I listen to it on my iPod and. I've kept the sequencing the same. I have to say, the sequencing pretty much works. The rest of my life, I treat as an intro, and I think it's solid. It's About That Walk is a great track. I can't wipe the smile off my face. She spoke to me, one of the standout tracks on the album. Five women, passable blues, with some kind of quirky moments that I enjoy. When the Lights Go Down, second standout track. And those two tracks, she spoke to me, and When the Lights Go Down are really not only killer tracks, but very important in my memory because I, like I said, for the thousandth time, I heard them and not only did I hear them, but I heard great versions of those songs live in um, at the Montreux Jazz Fest. So it's it's a big... This this, this album holds a special point uh, part or a special place in my heart for, for that reason as well. And then I go from there to There is Lonely, which is quite a solid track. Old Friends for Sale, a classic. Sarah funkiness all the way and finishing on what I think is a jazz standard in total nine songs none of which I think are average other than the rest of my life all of which speak to me in one way or another and I have to say I can't give this album a 10 obviously and I can't give it obviously I can't give it a I can't give it a nine and and these ratings are purely for the sake of entertainment but I'm going to have to go with listenability, enjoyability, and a sneak peek into Prince's world in a way. I think this is a great release, a much more deserving release from a commercial point of view. Why haven't more people heard it? Well, we, we know, but I think they should have. Thematically, it's great. The sound's great. And, you know, I disagree with a lot of what you guys said before I give my final rating. I don't agree that it's about that walk. She spoke to me when the lights go go down. Old Friends for Sale, Extraordinary, Sarah, those sorts of songs really could do with any more. I think they are fully formed constructions. The reason why they were included on this particular album, we'll never know. The reason why they might not have been released to that point, we'll never know. But this is some of the strongest 90s material he's arranged, composed, arranged, and um, and performed, and most of them are band selections, which I enjoy. This album is a solid seven, yeah, for me. Um, there you go, I said it. It's a <laughs> solid. Say, um, it's as solid as rave, but for, for for very different reasons. I'll just say I agree that the songs are fully formed, but I just don't think, like again, I don't want to use the word generic because they're not generic, but. By Prince's standards, they slightly are by his standards. And I'm, you know, again, it, I don't want to compare it against all these great stuff, but by Prince's standards, they are a little bit generic for me, some of the songs. Look, I, I, feel, I feel kind of guilty. I feel kind of guilty with my score. You but should on, be, MC. You should be. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's an extraordinary score to give this album, I know. But, um, I, I mean, the, the, the lowest I could go is a seven. And, you know, I feel like, oh... Every every time every time you read about this album, when people review it, when people talk about it, it's usually pretty maligned. I mean, it's 
it's considered a minor work. And, you know, I don't think that's the case. You know, he's he's used the funk format and the pop rock format mm-hmm. so often in his career. How often has he used jazz elements, muted trumpets, horns, band solos, band performances, strange times, timings? Uh, not very often. And this album's this album... This collection of songs, I should say, has got that aplenty, and I think it's a very intriguing listen. At the same time, it's not an album that I listen to often. In fact, before we recorded this show, someone asked me, when was the last time I heard this album? And I had to had to really think back, which is odd. Uh, maybe it speaks to the collection of... the, the number of, of albums and, and the amount of music that he has. Uh, I don't know, I can't give this anything less than a seven, so you guys choose what you're happy with, but that's that's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> One thing about this album, I think the most interesting thing to me about this album is the direction, the jazz direction that he went in. Because he does that. I mean, he he did the Madhouse albums just, you know, on the side, just for fun. This is a different kind of, of jazz, if you want to call it. Oh, it is, stuff. yeah. It's, yeah. Totally, it's, it's more the a, 93, that 93 era. Mm. Yeah. But still, it's just a, a diversion from what he normally does. Yeah. Which and I think I, is what he was trying like to do that. with the um, contractual obligation albums. Like Chaos and Disorder was, you know, a rock album, rock. so to speak. And this was the kind of jazzy pop album. So yeah. I, I like that aspect. The, the fact that, okay, he did these contractual albums. His, and each one have a different theme kind of thing. It would have been interesting if they had a continued to mm. see what would be next. But anyway. Because they could have been a bunch of really, a couple of really boring, bland R&B filler albums. I mean, I, I, go, as, I go as far to say that... This album, along with the Rainbow Children, is completely not what you would expect Prince to sound like, just from a distance. I mean, yeah. half, the, half the time I'm, I'm listening to him sing and she spoke to me and when the lights go down and he's, he's, he's almost channeling someone else. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's just, it's an odd album in his, in his collection, in his career. And it, I think it shows a, another side of a very multifaceted artist. You know, so it's hard to give it a 10. I'll take two away from my little pool the rest of my life. That leaves me with an eight, but surely it's not that solid. So I go down to a seven. Okay. Seven. I'm happy with that. All right. I've got to ask you I think we average it at 6.5. Because we had two 6.5s, one seven and one six. Is that it? Something like that. So we're 6.5 overall. It's an enjoyable listen. Player. If Michael Bublé came out with this, it would be his greatest (laughs) album. Yeah, it would be, actually. <laughs> okay, um, would you guys like to hear how this ranked in the greatest Prince songs of all time, Sebo? Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. And do you want to go from highest track to lowest track? or Let's go from worst to best. Okay. Yeah. So, My Little Pill. My Little Pill did come last. With, it came in at number 440, and you know there was 400 and... 477, yeah. I think. Yeah, so it's way down, down there. Yeah. Climbing up, we've got The Rest of My Life, then oh. Sarah, then It's About That Walk, Ooh. then Extraordinary, Oh, There Is Lonely, Oh, Where's Five Women, She Spoke To Me, Oh No, and then the top three, uh, When The Lights Go Down, Five mm-hmm. Women, and the wow. highest one was Old Friends For Sale. Of course. Five mm-hmm. Women is the second best track. On this you- album. Oh, are you kidding me? It came in at... 181. That's sad. <laughs> Sorry, but that... Oh, oh. Old vote for sale. So, 
that's where it is. Interesting. Wow. Any shout-outs? I'm going to shout-out to Mr. Paul Peterson and Susanna, Eric Leeds, Joey Bear. Or that, that new album's coming out, hopefully. I'm excited. Well, it's, it's completed three years in the making. It's on its way. Ingrid Chavez, hello to you. Hey, Ingrid. Talking about the vault, let's give a shout-out to the NPG Horns. NPG Hornheads. Hey. Oh, yeah. Awesome stuff. Actually, I think it's a it's a really good time being a Prince fan at the moment because you've got F Deluxe coming out. You've got Sheila E and her family. They've got a CD out. And then you've got Prince touring. And then supposedly the time are releasing their album. So Really? The time? Apparently. <laughs> wow. With the original time. But they've been working on that album for ages as well. But still, it's, it's a great time to be a Prince fan. Well, when's the, the Vanity Six reunion going to be then? Hey. And shout out to Sarah. You know who you are, baby. Is that you? Is that you? <laughs> Shout out to Bobby Z. This episode is dedicated to Bobby Z. Yeah, and here's some words from Shelby. <laughs> you have been listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. You can also subscribe to the Peach and Black Podcast for free at iTunes. Stay tuned and stay funky. Good. One more take.